I thank you for your goodness, God. Thank you for your goodness today. Amen, amen. So good to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. Amen. Thank you for braving the cold, cold weather tonight. Amen. Amen. If you brought your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, tonight to Luke, the 17th chapter. Amen. Thank you, Pastor McCall, for the honor and the privilege of preaching the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. Most of the time I feel in very inferior behind this pulpit, the pulpit of a man who preaches with such power and such anointing as our pastor. I thank God for him. Amen. I thought of that as I was looking at our new website. If you haven't been to our website, the plc.org, you owe it to yourself to go to it. It looks great. But you look down there in the media pages and there's 60-something lessons from the book of Romans. Such great teaching. Things like that make a preacher like me feel pretty inferior sometimes. Amen. We've got a great pastor. Don't you believe it? Amen. Amen. God is so good to us. Amen. The past couple services, pastor's been preaching on the subject of available, our theme for this year. Over the past week, I've been praying about how can I be more available to God's will for my life, God's work in my life. And I believe over the past week, God gave me a message for tonight, birthed out of those prayers. And I want to preach that to you tonight. Amen. Luke, the 17th chapter. Amen. If you haven't, why don't you say amen? Amen. Amen. Starting in verse number 1. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted into the sea, and it should obey you. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight for just a little bit on the faith to forgive. The faith to forgive. Amen. Could we set our Bibles down and just ask God to meet with us here in a special way tonight? Hallelujah. Jesus, we need you here tonight, Lord. 
We need your spirit here tonight. We need your presence here tonight, God. We need your anointing here tonight, Lord. I pray you would anoint me to preach your word tonight, God. I cannot do any of this without your spirit tonight, Lord. We cannot receive your word without your spirit, Lord. We will not have understanding for your word if your spirit is not here among us, God. I pray you would fill this house with your spirit. Let us receive your word in our hearts and in our minds. And let us live by it, God. We give you all glory and we give you all praise. For you have been good to us. You've blessed us. and We thank you today. In Jesus' name. And why don't you give a great hand clap unto the Lord tonight. Amen. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. You can be seated tonight. The faith to forgive. Everybody say forgive. We talk a lot about the forgiveness of God. I am very thankful that I serve a forgiving God. I'm thankful that when I repented of my sins, He did not hesitate, but He forgave me of my sins. He has forgiven you of your sins. Jesus Christ died upon a cross for forgiveness of sins. If you are here tonight and you have sin in your life and you have not repented, you have not made a change of your mind and you have not told Jesus Christ that you're sorry and you want to change, I want to tell you tonight that there is forgiveness for your sins. We talk about the forgiveness of our great God a whole lot. But I fear that sometimes we don't talk enough about the forgiveness of ourselves and the forgiveness of others. The forgiveness of our brothers and our sisters. Forgiveness from and toward one another. If you look at the book of Philemon, Philemon just has one chapter in it. In verse 10 of the book of Philemon, says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I've sent again. Thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as if it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother, beloved especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. 
If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on my account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand, I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. The book of Philemon was a letter written from the Apostle Paul in a prison cell to a gentleman named Philemon. Philemon was an apostolic brother. He was a business owner. In fact... They tell us he had a church in his home. He was a, a church-going guy. The name Philemon means affectionate brother. Onesimus, who we read about, was a servant of Philemon's. He escaped the house of Philemon. He stole some things and he was thrown into prison And there he came across a man by the name of Paul, the Apostle. We don't know a whole lot about Onesimus, but we do know that he failed at his job. He was a failure. He was not profitable to his master Philemon. And on top of that, he was a thief. He was dishonest. We also know that while in prison, Paul converted him to follow Jesus Christ. See, tradition said that when Paul was in prison, that the Roman guards had to continually be rotated for fear that Paul would convert them as well. Paul was a soul winner. Whether he was in the streets, whether he was behind the pulpit preaching, wherever he was, if he was in a prison cell, Paul was a soul winner. I can only imagine after Onesimus gets thrown in a jail cell with Paul and Paul begins to talk to him. Hey buddy, why are you here? Onesimus said, I I stole some things. I was a servant in the house of Philemon and I stole some things, I got caught and here I am. Paul says, whoa, wait, you said Philemon? Yeah, yeah, do you know Philemon? Paul says, yes, I know Philemon. I've been around Philemon. And then Paul, as I can imagine, changes the subject a little bit. Onesimus, have you ever heard about Jesus Christ? Have you ever heard about this God who forgives? Onesimus says, yes. I've, I've heard about him. Like I said, I was from the house of Philemon. I've heard about him, but you don't know the things that I've done, Paul. I'm not a good guy. I'm not a, I'm not a good man. 
I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that Jesus would want. I'm not the kind of person that really wants to do anything about that. I'm too far gone. I've done some things. And like I said, I'm here in prison with you. And you are in pr- you're in prison because you were doing things for God. I understand that, but I'm a thief. I'm dishonest. I don't deserve to have a relationship with this Jesus Christ that you speak of. God would never forgive me. Has anybody else ever felt that way? I'm thankful for a forgiving God. And I can see as Paul looks back at him and says, Onesimus, have you ever killed anyone? Onesimus, no, 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 you don't understand, Paul. I didn't say I was a murderer. I said I was a thief. I've never done anything that bad, Paul. Well, let me ask you this, Onesimus. Maybe you've never physically murdered somebody, but have you ever held the coats of them that stoned the Christians? Oof. Paul? What are you even talking about now? No, I haven't done anything like that. I'm a thief, Paul. I'm not like that, he says, not knowing anything about the past of the man he was talking to. And so I can see as Paul began to tell him about the life that Jesus Christ brought him from. I can see as Paul began to tell him about the terrible things that he had done. The terrible crimes he had committed against Christians. And I can see the light bulbs start to come on in the head of Onesimus. Wait, you mean you serve a God that could forgive all of that? A God that could forgive a murderer and turn him into a preacher of the gospel. You serve that kind of God? Hold on. I've heard about this Jesus Christ, but I don't understand how he could forgive someone like that. Oh yes. Oh yes, he can. He can forgive the deepest, darkest sins. And Onesimus... He can forgive you. Paul harnesses the power of that testimony there in the prison cell. And he tells Onesimus he is a forgiving God. He is a forgiving God. And he wants to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. I am thankful tonight once again that I serve A forgiving God. I serve a forgiving God. Let me say it again. I serve a forgiving God tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I'll go back and I'll say it one more time. If you have never repented of your sins here tonight, you need to repent of your sins. It is a wonderful thing because God is waiting and wanting to forgive you of all of your sins. 
No matter how bad they are, God wants to forgive you tonight. He's just waiting for a prayer of repentance, for a change of heart. He wants to forgive you tonight. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus by immersion underwater, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name tonight because not only can you repent of your sins, not only do we have that opportunity, but we also have the opportunity to have our sins washed away, forgotten, put under the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful for that tonight. If you've never been filled with the Spirit of the Lord, if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, God wants to give you the Holy Ghost tonight. He has that for you tonight, and He wants it for you. How many here are thankful for salvation tonight? I'm thankful that I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm thankful that I have His Spirit living inside me. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. So Onesimus repented. Onesimus was baptized. Onesimus received the Holy Ghost. He was converted by Paul. The soul winner. The name Onesimus means, you can Google it, profitable, beneficial, or useful. This is what the name Onesimus means. This thief. How many know that names in the Bible meant a whole lot? Onesimus was a thief. Onesimus, the Bible, I don't think by coincidence, says that he was unprofitable. He was unprofitable to his master Philemon. Onesimus was not living up to his name. Here's where forgiveness really comes into play. When you can forgive somebody who hasn't lived up to their name. When I can forgive somebody who wronged me and who didn't live up to their name. Who wasn't profitable to me. Even though their name said that they were profitable, they didn't live up to their name. That's real forgiveness tonight. Onesimus has now repented. He's been baptized in Jesus' name. He's received the Holy Ghost. And now he's being released from jail. When Paul pens the letter that we now call this book of Philemon. In verse 3 he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers. Hearing of thy love and faith. This is Paul writing to Philemon which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. You love Jesus. You love the saints, Philemon. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. 
For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for thy love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such and one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So we see where Paul greets him. And he addresses his work in the kingdom. And Paul addresses Philemon's love for God. And his love for the saints. I don't think this is something Paul just did out of ritual. But I think it was to start off by reminding Philemon. That you love God. You love the saints. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fluff you up real nicely here because I'm about to ask something that may not be easy of you. You love God. You love the saints. But what Paul's writing is all a setup for what he writes next. I beseech you, Philemon, for Onesimus. I know that he wasn't profitable to you. I know that he didn't live up to his name. I know he stole from you. I know he lied to you. But Onesimus has been converted and he has repented. And now he's living up to his name. He's profitable to both of us. He's profitable to both of us. So, and I'm paraphrasing, here's the deal, Philemon. I'm sending Onesimus back to you. In fact, he had Onesimus personally deliver this letter, the book of Philemon. I'm sending him back to you. And I want you to forgive him. Paul says, Philemon, I want you to forgive him. Not only do I want you to forgive him, but I want you to receive him not just as a servant anymore. But he says above that, I want you to receive him as a brother. I want you to receive him as a brother. I know this is a lot to ask, Philemon. That's why Paul started off real nice. I know you love God and you love the saints. And I love you, Philemon. But I've got something to ask you. I need you to forgive Onesimus. I need you to receive him. Not as just a lowly servant, but I need you to receive him as a brother. What's the difference between a servant and a brother tonight? A servant... Does things for us. But a brother is something, someone that we do things for. I do things for my brother. Receive him, Paul said, as if it were me. Receive him as if it were me. And this had power when Paul said this because you have to understand 
Paul is the one that converted Philemon. Philemon owed a lot to Paul. And Paul said, receive him as if it were me. If he owes you anything, Paul said, put it on my account. Put it on my tab. Totally, 100%, completely forgive Onesimus. And just in case Philemon did not receive that message well, Paul reminded him of where he would be had God not sent a messenger his way, had God not sent Paul through his town, and where he would be had God not freely forgiven Philemon. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Paul said, forgive him, Philemon. Forget about what he owes you. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. I want you to understand that. Jesus paid it all. Whatever somebody else owes you, forgive them. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. It was not just a thing between me and Jesus where I owed him something and he paid all of that. But it was a thing between me and my brothers and me and my sisters where we owed one another some things. But Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. I can forgive you today because Jesus paid it all. I can forgive myself today because Jesus paid it all. You can forgive me today if I've ever wronged you because Jesus paid it all. (coughs) Philemon, forgive him because Jesus paid it all. God expects us to forgive just as he forgave. I believe it is expected of us if we want to be available that we be forgiving saints of God. I've got to be forgiving. I've got to be forgiving. I've got to be forgiving. God's expectation of me is to be a forgiving person. You don't owe me anything because Jesus paid it all. Why do you think tonight that the prodigal son's father was so quick to pull out the robe? He was so quick to pull out the ring and the calf and the party and the dancing. It's because long before the prodigal came home, the father decided in his heart, I'm going to forgive that boy. I'm going to forgive him. He may not have ever even asked for it yet, but I'm going to forgive him. 
I've made up my mind. Whatever wrong you've done against me, whatever wrong you're going to do against me, I will not have unforgiveness in my heart. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. Treat him as a brother, not as a servant. It's not about what you can do for me, but what can I do for you? What can I do to help you? You may have wronged me, but I will join right up beside you and say, what can I do to help? What can I do for you? Speaking of brothers tonight, Cain had a brother. His name was Abel. Anybody ever heard of Cain and Abel? Cain fell victim to a seed of bitterness against his brother over worship. That seed of bitterness quickly blossomed and it turned into a root that wound itself all through Cain until that root of bitterness overtook him 100% very quickly to the point that he murdered his brother. Hebrews 12 describes bitterness as a root. It's a root. A root is something that I may not see on the surface But deep down, it's weaving its way around things and through things. It's becoming part of things deep down. It's a root. Starts out as a seed, but then it blossoms into a root under the surface. We do not need a root of bitterness to get a hold of us. You know what an unforgiving spirit is? An unforgiving attitude? It is a root of bitterness that will get a hold of you. You may think tonight, ah, this, isn't, this isn't really something that, that, that really has anything to do with me. But if we really stop and think about it, if I really stop and think about it, I've had so many seeds of bitterness dropped into my life at different times in my life. I've got to be careful not to fertilize those things and not to grow those things to where they become intertwined all through me. And all of a sudden, I've got a spirit of bitterness in my life because that root has got a hold on me. Bitterness tonight. Somebody, somewhere along the way, I don't know how and I don't know when it happened, but it seems like it's happened to all of us. It's happened to me. Somebody instilled in me the idea. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't anybody. I don't know what it was. It may have been society. I don't know what it was. But somebody instilled in me the idea that it was okay to hold a grudge. And it's not okay. 
it is not okay to hold a grudge. This society today, we have this idea we can just not like somebody because of something and we can hold grudges because of something and still have a sincere and a, a heart that God can work with and it's not true if I'm going to be available I have to get rid of my grudges against others I've got to get rid of my grudges against my brother and my sister I cannot have bitterness in my heart it's a root that will get a hold of me. It's a root that will get a hold of me. In the year 610, a long time ago, I know, there was a religious leader by the name of Muhammad who claimed to be visited by the angel Gabriel. He claimed that Gabriel delivered revelation to him from God. Over the span of a few years, Muhammad's revelations and his newfound beliefs were largely rejected by the other religious leaders of his day. See, Muhammad had not received revelation from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as he had claimed. But it was an evil spirit that spoke deception into him and it tricked him into thinking that he had heard from the one true God of Israel. This rejection that I talked about from the religious community that followed the revelation or deception in reality it planted a seed of bitterness within Muhammad. It very quickly blossomed into a root of bitterness that totally consumed him. Within 20 years, he had formed an army of 10,000 Muslims, as they began to call them, and conquered the city of Mecca. We fast forward to this day and this age today and we see Islam still on the rise all because someone let an evil spirit speak into their ear and let bitterness take hold inside them. The attacks recently in Paris were a result of the root of bitterness. 9-11 was the result of the root of bitterness. And you tell me tonight that bitterness is not a real thing. I will say it again. Do not let bitterness get a hold of your life. Bitterness is evil and it is deceptive and it is destructive. Do not let bitterness get a hold on you tonight. Don't do it. If you have aught against your brother, just forgive him. If you have aught against your sister, forgive her. Just forgive him. 
freely forgive as Christ freely forgave you. Remember, He paid it all. He paid it all. Newsflash tonight, offenses are going to come. We're going to get offended. They're just going to happen. We can't help that tonight. Offenses are going to come my way. Offenses are going to come your way. Whether they were meant to come your way or not, they're going to happen. They're going to happen. But if I'm going to be available to God's work in my life, if I'm going to be available to God's will for my life, I'm going to have to lay down any and all unforgiveness in my heart. I have to get unforgiveness and offendedness out of my heart. I have to get all bitterness out of my heart. I've got to get offendedness out of my heart. I've got to get offendedness out of my heart. Recently, and I'm quickly coming to a close here tonight. Recently, my wife and I visited a restaurant. I won't name it because it's a negative story about it. But we visited this restaurant and we sat down to eat. My wife, my daughter, and I. It was there in Jonesboro, and we started eating. I enjoy food, if you can't tell. We started eating, and I looked at my wife, and I said, this is really good. When, when was the last time we've been here? We haven't been here in forever. And my wife looked at me, and she said, it is good. She said, we, we haven't been here in right about six and a half years. I said, six and a half years? Why haven't we been here in six and a half years? I, I don't understand that. I mean, this is good food. She said, you don't remember? I, I said, no, I, I have no clue why we haven't been here in six and a half years. I, I cannot remember. I'm getting old. I'm a lot older than my wife. About three years, and she reminds me of it. I said, I can't remember why we haven't been here in six and a half years. And she said, as she started to recount the story, I started to remember it. She said, she said one time, about six and a half years ago, we came to this restaurant with some other church people. And we were a we were young married couple. We've been married nine years now, so we were a couple years into that adventure. And we went to this restaurant with some people, and when we went up to pay, the food was always great, but when we went up to pay, she said, we, we wrote a check for our meal. And, and the lady, like, like a lot of cashiers do when they're taking personal checks, she asked for my wife's driver's license and so my wife gave her her driver's license 
And the lady, the lady said, I'm not going to take your check. Because the address on your driver's license is not the same as the address on your check. And who in the world's got a correct address on their driver's license? Not me. Now hold on right there. Those of you laughing, I promise you, you pull out your driver's license, that address is incorrect. We didn't have, I, I pulled out my driver's license. Me and my wife both had different addresses on our driver's license, and neither one of them were correct. So now we've got three addresses in play here. And we've got a cashier who's saying, I'm not taking your check, and we didn't have any other kind of money except in our checking account. We didn't have a debit card back then. She said, I'm not taking your check. You've got the wrong address on it. And so eventually, after, after a few conversations with her and, and the manager and everybody else, eventually they took our check. And guess what? The check did go through. But we were embarrassed because we were with people. And see, when I'm with somebody, it's bad enough when I'm by myself, but I'm with, when I'm with somebody, don't tell me that my check's no good. That's going to embarrass me. They wronged us. Maybe, technically, maybe the address thing was, uh, was, was an issue, but it's never happened anywhere else. They wronged us. And six and a half years later, we had never been back to that restaurant. And I didn't even remember why. And this is a restaurant I pass every single day on my way to work. I did not remember why I hadn't darkened the doors of that restaurant in six and a half years. This is how our grudges work. I'm mad at you, but I don't even remember why I'm mad at you. But I know I don't like you. <laughs> Am I preaching the truth here tonight? We don't even know why. We don't remember why we hold a grudge, yet we still hold on to it with dear life. Why is that? Because there's a root that grew up around that idea and it's just not letting go. It's not letting go. Would you stand with me tonight? I don't want to be guilty tonight of having unforgiveness in my heart. Jesus said in our text that if someone trespasses against you seven times in a day and has to repent all seven of those times that we should forgive them. How many times? Every single one of them. 
seven times. Listen up here for a minute. What's interesting is that we read that in Luke. And then we can go over to Matthew's account of it. And in Matthew chapter 18, Peter questions Jesus on it. He says, Jesus, I don't know why Peter did it. Maybe he had somebody who was sitting on about six times for the day. And he said, boy, after the seventh time gets over, you're done with. It's going to be on after seven. I don't know why Peter asked it, but Peter said, Jesus, let me just verify this right now. You said seven times, right? If somebody trespasses against me seven times in a day, and they repent, and I forgive them seven times, right, Jesus? And Jesus says, oh, no, Peter, you're sticking to the letter of the law. I want you to receive the spirit of the law. So let me say it so that you can understand what I'm saying. I'm saying 70 times 7. I'm saying 70 times 7. In other words, never ending forgiveness. Unending mercy. Unending love. Just as I have towards you just as I have forgiven you I expect you to forgive others with no limit with no limit sometimes we fail to connect these scriptures but immediately following this the apostles said unto the Lord increase our faith remember I'm preaching about the faith to forgive. They said, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root. Everybody say root. And be thou planted into the sea. And it should Obey you. We've all heard this scripture. But I want to make us to make this connection tonight. This is all in Luke chapter 17. If my faith can pluck up a sycamine tree by the root, I believe it can also pluck up any root of bitterness that I have in my life. Any root that has gotten a hold of me. If I have faith as of a grain of mustard seed, I can say to that root of bitterness, be thou plucked up in the name of Jesus. Be thou plucked up in the name of Jesus. The power of the name of Jesus can take any and all bitterness out of your life instantly. You have to have the faith to forgive in Jesus' name. Why don't we lift our hands and love the Lord for a moment? Uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, Jesus.